Hello, this is Robert Perry, and welcome to Retro Crush, the podcast, episode 58. Hope you're doing well today. Got kind of a fun, short episode for you here. I'm going to play part two of my interview with Allison Arngrim, who played Nellie Olson on The Little House on the Prairie. And this is uh, probably my favorite portion of the interview, because she talks about uh, the movie The Bad Seed, with uh, Patty McCormick in it, and... Uh, a rare once-in-a-lifetime-for-many-people conversation that she had with Betty Page, the pinup legend from the 50s and 60s, um, who we find out was actually quite a fan of Little House on the Prairie and Nellie Olson, and how the two of them got together. So, hope you enjoy listening to this. Yeah, that, that, that's, uh, it, it's just, like you said, just the timelessness of the show still makes it such an appealing villain to, to continue watching there. And, and I was influenced by Patty McCormick in The Bad Seat, that's true, because, um, Long before I got the show, when I was a little girl, my best friend Chrissy Norton, um, who was a little girl's friend, so she had uh, blonde hair and blue eyes. She looked, we looked a lot alike. We looked uh, she would come over, and this is before VCRs and cable. You had to check the TV guide to see when stuff was on. The Bad Seed would be on, like, late at night on a weekend, and we'd have a slumber party. And we'd call her, come over, the Bad Seed's on. <laughs> and we would braid our hair and put on party dresses and tap shoes. Actually, and emulator. the Bad Seed. Wow. You know, like Rocky Horror. And you'd be how old doing this? Like nine. Wow, wow. And so you we were, were born for this, right? And we were little blonde, eight, nine, ten-year-old girls who looked like Patty McCormick. And we would dress up, <laughs> braid our hair, put on party dresses and captures, and sit up all night and watch the bad seed, and then run around the house going, what would you give me for a basket of kisses and scare the crap out of everybody? <laughs> and it was really kind of weird, and we just thought it was great. And so I'd always liked that. And then I, I had first heard of the bad seed when I was, like, six, uh-huh. because I would go on auditions to play good little girls and I remember like I didn't get some audition it was for like this very vulnerable little girl who was kidnapped like on gun smoke and they're like no and I was really little and they said stuff like honey have you ever heard of the ransom of Red Chief which is the O'Henry story where the kid is kidnapped and he's so obnoxious uh-huh. and, he go. and then they said have you ever heard of the bad seed honey <laughs> and I'm like no <laughs> and I couldn't figure out why these adults kept saying things like I knew I got turned down for the kidnapped girl on Gunsmoke because the guy actually called my agent and said no the audience would fear for the life of the kidnapper yeah they just want him to, to stay kidnapped there. yeah they, they, would, they would be worried about the safety of the man who kidnapped her not her there's something about that child and, and so people were saying like did you ever see the bad seed deer and I was like who and so I thought what are they seeing here and then eventually when I saw the bad seed I went oh great <laughs> yeah that's cool yeah. cool yeah. so of course when as soon as I, I got Nellie and people said but it's so bad seed I went oh I hope so and I did get to meet Patty McCormick once at a parade and she was very nice oh that's so, great now, I, I heard uh, that, that uh, Betty Page was a or he is still a little house in the prairie fan. You got to talk with her on the phone? Yes, it was marvelous. You know, How did I, that come about? I, like everybody else, had seen, you know, the Betty Page pictures and, like, the drawings of Betty Page. Uh-huh. Reading cards, lunchboxes. And, I mean, I, growing up, I didn't think she was a real person. I'd seen, like, the drawings and went, oh, yeah, it was this woman with the black hair. And then eventually, I knew, oh, yes, there was some pinup queen in the 50s who did these really interesting pictures and has this really cool hair, too. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't really get it. And then I saw that she had more scandalous photos. But I thought, she's really cool. And the funny thing is, she's smiling in all the pictures. 
and that's very unusual for that time for a woman who did sexy photos to be yeah she sure seems to be having a great time during any of those pictures and, and that seemed so strange and then I found out that it was this huge scandal that she had done these and then she'd gone poof and like disappeared and that it was this whole mysterious thing of where is Betty Page that she'd quit suddenly and um it was actually because there was a whole like crackdown on um, everything from comic books to pornography, and that people felt that her pictures were like really bad, and she was being questioned. Right during the fifties, yeah. And she said, "Well, I don't need this. I, 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 I'm not that dedicated to this. Thank you. Goodbye." <laughs> she was like, "I just took the pictures to work my way through school. Don't even talk to me." And she just bailed. And this whole mystery of what happened to her was she dead blah 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 and everyone's fascinated and then I found out that like she didn't really have any money and then someone had just recently I guess her brother found a lawyer and now she does get some of the money from this endless merchandising right so she's okay and I remember going wow that's and my friend uh, Harlan who does a lot of events said listen we're doing a whole Betty Page thing he was working with Betty Page said you've met her oh my god what's she like and he said she's this really nice old lady <laughs> She's a good Christian woman and goes to church and has her friends and stays home and watches TV and reads and wow. just not into that. And, and her whole attitude is, you don't want to see me, you want to see that pretty young girl. <laughs> and she's like, you don't want to see an old lady, why don't you just keep looking at the pictures? She also says things like, I merely took some photos, I forgot about them, you people are still looking at them. And she thinks everyone else is crazy, but you're still obsessed with this, what is your problem? And Harlan said she's a very nice woman, and then uh, I said, well, she sounds fascinating. And then they had some Betty Page look-alike contest thing for charity. Well, he goes and talks to her, and then, of course, next thing I know, I find out that she's a huge Little House fan. And there's a book that she actually authorized, a whole biography, uh -huh. and her life really is quite interesting. She, like, had to get away from home as a young girl, she right. had to go make money and rescue her sister from this terrible environment, and how all these... Ter she wound up doing the photos because she was sexually harassed on all the street jobs she had. She was safer with the photographers. Wow. She said the photographers were perfect gentlemen. The reason she's laughing in the pictures is they're joking around and think it's the dumbest thing in the world that they're taking these pictures. Right, right. And she's, um, she totally was not interested in this whole scene. She just did these photos for the money. And she knew the photographer quite well, and they weren't sleeping together. He's married. His wife was there. And um, when she left, she left and went on with her life and was stunned to find out that anybody cared and was still looking at these ridiculous pictures. Yeah, that's funny. And she's a vegetarian, and she doesn't smoke or drink or do drugs, and she makes all her own clothes. <laughs> and watches Little House in the Berry. And um, when I found that, so he got us on the phone, and we chatted for a bit, and he's a big Little House fan, and I'd read her book. So she autographed a copy of the book, and I autographed some Nellie Olson pictures for her. And she's a very nice lady, but she's, she's very she doesn't do personal appearances because she doesn't need to. No, for sure. And and she can't be blackmailed or bought, you know, what, what are you going to threaten her with, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. And when they offer her money, she's like, well, before she got the check for the merchandising, she was living on, like, Social Security and stuff, but she didn't need any money. She, doesn't she was drink, doing well, yeah. Yeah, she doesn't drink or smoke, she makes all her own clothes, she doesn't even eat meat. <laughs> What she spending it on? Yeah. And she she didn't need any money. She had everything she needed. She was living quite comfortably. She did was she was technically I guess poor, but she didn't care. She had everything she wanted. And then you know she now she has the money. She doesn't have to worry about her health or where she's gonna live. So 
just call her up and say, well, we'll give you 50 grand to show up. She goes, that's nice. Bye. <laughs> Gosh, just a meeting. So she's a, she's a very interesting person. She's totally not like anyone thinks she is because of these photos. She's completely not any, who anyone believes she is. Wow. Which I found utterly fascinating. She's a very nice lady. Loves what loves the prairie. Sure was great talking to her. She's uh, to this day still one of my, the favorite people I've ever got a chance to interview. And I've got about an hour and a half of interview uh, with her. So one of these days I should just uh, bite the bullet and put all on one giant special podcast uh, for everybody to listen to. So uh, anyway, I guess uh, we can go on here with some cool Hanna-Barbera cartoon theme songs. Um Hanna-Barbera, particularly in the 60s and 70s, put out some of the best kid shows, best cartoons ever made. Um, you had cartoons like uh, Scooby-Doo, Huckleberry Hound, Quick Draw McGraw, shows like The Banana Splits, which I wish to God they'd put that on DVD with just all the great live-action stuff and the, the fun, crazy things. But, you know, they are they are getting around. Uh, apparently, uh, according to TV shows on DVD.com, um, this year we're going to see uh, Wally Gator on DVD. Uh, we're going to see Quick Draw McGraw and Hong Kong Fooey with uh, the great Scatman Crothers uh, doing the voice of the lead character there. So I thought it'd be kind of fun just to play uh, about five different theme songs from some of my favorite Hanna-Barbera cartoons for you. The first is from Wally Gator. Wally Gator is a swinging navigator in the swamp. And yeah, there never has been a greater operator in the swamp. And here's a Magilla Gorilla. Some people uh, didn't like this cartoon so much, but they were stupid because it was pretty good. <laughs> This next one is for Quick Draw McGraw, and it's just an instrumental, but, you know, just a really good, fun, uh, jazzy, crazy theme. funny, I'm just noticing that uh, most of the Hanna-Barbera theme songs that are instrumentals like that are exactly 23 seconds long. I guess they knew something special about that number. Our next theme is from Snagglepuss.
And no uh, tribute to great Hanna-Barbera theme songs would be complete without the greatest one of them all. Oh my gosh, it's time again for. <gasps> it's time for Retro Crush Mail Bag. Today we have a hate mail from somebody that I thought was really nice, but they're actually quite mean. <laughs> we got a, an email today from, uh, well, Let's just call her Jenny, for lack of a better word. Um, you might recall in the last episode, I was praising uh, the film The Devil's Rejects and uh, went on to talk about how great Sid Haig was in that movie. And uh, this letter from Jenny, if that is your name, says, uh, Are you nuts? Rob Zombie is a fucking hack. And that movie of his was turd. The 101st most annoying thing of 2005 was The Devil's Rejects. Johnny and I watched it last night. So, oh man, are my thoughts on this movie fresh. To wit, how could anyone who loves sleazy horror films ignore the fact that it was nothing more than a hollow pastiche of other better movies, remixed for the MTV generation and pandering straight to the Fangoria crowd? Duh, hey, that lady's running around all wobbly like on the highway right near a Mack truck wearing a dude's skin on her face. That kind of reminds me of Leatherface, except for, oh yeah, this sucks and isn't scary or funny. Zombie directly ripped off just off the top of my head, Last House on the Left, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and even Empire Fucking Strikes Back with Ken Forey in the Lando Calrissian role of Turncoat Token Negro and E.G. Daly as Princess Leia with her hair buns and droid talk. And shit, that cornball film and Louise ending with the Blaze of Glory shootout and family photo album slideshow, Jesus H. Christ. Wow, those killers were homies for life, dude. So awesome. It was so full of 
crappy pop culture references that made me feel like I was watching The Family Guy or something. You know, instead of actually making a joke or having an idea, you just reference something retro pop instead. The problem is, unless you're offering something new or turning the source material on its ear, as Tarantino does in the Kill Bill movies, it just dulls the impact of the whole thing, underscores its emptiness, what was the pointless Ginger Lynn stunt casting, and you end up with a mess which is what the Devil's Rejects is. This colossal hunk of shit insults the very films it purports to pay homage to. The greatest sin of all, however, is that it was boring. Rob Zombie didn't know if he was making a horror movie or a comedy, yet marketed it as a horror flick and spent no time thinking about how to make the villain scary or intense. He just spent the entire movie making them look like cool rock and roll dudes in between shots of his annoying wife's ass. But hey, everybody knows serial killers are hilarious. Sorry, but it's hard to find a killer scary when he's criticizing his victims for their taste in radio stations and arguing with his siblings about ice cream. Nope, didn't find any of that funny. I am also so fucking over the, quote, scary clown cliche. Give it a rest, world. Part of the reason that Leatherface is so scary is that he's clearly insane and didn't have time or the brains to crack bad jokes, spout pseudo-philosophy about how Jesus sucks, oh, daring, or use crest white strips. You know, with the exception of Sid Haig, the Flyerfy family had perfectly straight white teeth. The reason he didn't have time because he was too busy going batshit crazy and killing a million gazillion bajillion people. Grr! Zombie did nothing to make us learn or care or like or dislike any of the characters, which makes it way hard to maintain any interest. It was just a big postmodern clusterfuck of self-referential wink-wink bullshit, even on a gross-out level. The gore wasn't insane and over-the-top enough. Herschel Gordon Lewis could make a better gross-out movie with his asshole. Finally, and really this has less to do with the movie and more to do with the hype, I am so tired of Rob Zombie's shit-kicking dirtbag shtick. He's from fucking Massachusetts, so that misguided Yankees redneck act is about as credible as Larry the Cable Guy's. He can bite my horror-loving ass and choke on it. Still your pal, even though you are crazy to like this movie, Jenny. Well, that's pretty sweet. I think the fact that Jenny's only eight years old uh, shows uh, remarkable restraint. Jenny, if I see you, I'm going to wash your mouth out with soap. Lava soap! Well, if you guys have uh, emails that you'd like to send uh, my way, uh, rberry at retrocrush.com, and be happy to read them uh, as well. Also, please call the Retro Crush hotline. Haven't had any uh, good messages in a while, so uh, this could be your shot to be internet famous. Just call 916-231-9480. And uh, be happy to share your voicemails. It's a, it's a great voicemail hotline you can call. Nobody's going to pick up the phone. So if you're like, you know, pee shy on the phone there, you don't have to worry. Hey, meanwhile, uh, on the front page of RetroCrush.com, uh, we've been doing uh, a, a lot of polls lately. And uh, I was really kind of intrigued and, and, and somewhat saddened by our latest poll. It was, who's the hottest TV mom? And I thought I'd put a pretty good wide variety of various hot moms out there. I have uh, Carol Brady from the Brady Bunch, Shirley Partridge from the Partridge Family, June Cleaver from Leave it to Beaver, Beverly Crusher from Star Trek The Next Generation, Morticia Adams from the Adams Family, Samantha Stevens from Bewitched, 
Marion Cunningham from Happy Days, Laura Petrie from The Dick Van Dyke Show, Wilma Flintstone from The Flintstones, and Jill Taylor, who's Patricia Richardson's character from Home Improvement. Well, I guess I shouldn't be surprised that currently with about over 900 votes, that Morticia Adams from The Adams Family uh, is the number one choice. Uh, by the way, Jenny uh, of I Hate the Devil's Rejects fame uh, did point out that I should have included Lily Munster as well. But, uh, sorry, I didn't want to get too goth on this list. But certainly the, the gothic crowd's coming out, and with 26% of the vote, uh, Morticia Adams is, is number one. But with just 25% of the vote, uh, not too distant second place, is Samantha Stevens from Bewitched uh, by the lovely, ever-beautiful, well, not anymore, but at one time, Elizabeth Montgomery. Um, in the number three with 21%, so it's a pretty tight one, two, three there, is uh, Laura Petrie from The Dick Van Dyke Show. I remember uh, probably the first erotic dream that I ever had <laughs> was about Laura Petrie from from that. You know, I, I, and I wasn't really, you know, didn't grow up watching that show too much, but I remember it was just this black and white dream, and, and she was just, uh, well... Let's just say uh, it was a good dream. But uh, it's just kind of funny because with those three and then everybody else is just such a distant uh, fourth, fifth, and sixth place. But what's funny is out of 935 people that voted, uh, only two chose Marion Cunningham from Happy Days. You know, I thought that uh, Mr. C had it pretty good there. Uh, you know, his wife was uh, pretty fun-loving there. So, you know, Marion Cunningham from Happy Days... Uh, played by Marion Ross, uh, quite a, a beautiful, underrated, hot TV mom. So uh, if you'd like to vote in that, uh, go to the front page of RetroCrush.com and, and, and let it be heard. I think we'll be doing a hottest cartoon character uh, pretty soon here. Uh, we've also added a, a feature on the front page of uh, RetroCrush.com uh, of retro news, where we're going to be putting regular headlines with a, a retro flavor on there that you can see throughout uh, a couple times a day. We'll try to update some things on there. Uh, but uh, we've got... Uh, there's some some really interesting stories here. Uh, for example, there Spike Jones, a uh, good mu- music video director and, and some, some good films that he's directed as well. Um, but uh, he's going to apparently do a film of Where the Wild Things Are. Uh, I don't know how you're going to make this thing into a movie. Uh, and, and I just got this sick feeling that they're going to screw it up just like they did with the Polar Express. The Polar Express is this perfect children's book. You know, it's a, you can read it in about 15 minutes. It's a very simple, beautiful story. And just this abortion that Robert Zemeckis turned it into of a film where it's just pretty much, you know, two hours of, of kids going, wee on a, on a, on a train is just boring and horrible and stupid. It's just like watching a kid play a video game. Uh, and, and Where the Wild Things Are by, uh, by excuse me, um, Maurice Sendak. Uh, I'm just afraid, you know, this simple little story is going to have all this extra stuff dumped into it and stupid costumes and just, just really take that magical uh, book uh, story and, and make it screwed up. So we'll see. Um, in the unnecessary sequel department, we've got a link so you can see the uh, trailer to a full-color sequel to Kevin Smith's first film, Clerks. 
you know, I, I, I am firmly of the belief that the more money you throw at that guy to make a movie, the worse his films get. Clerks was fun and charming for what it was, this great little low-budget comedy. Mallrats was horrible. Chasing Amy had some promise, but the ending was just stupid as hell. And um, honestly, I think every other film that this guy's made has just completely sucked, and I just did not get the appeal of Kevin Smith, but, you know... Um, people really seem to like him there. So I guess there's, there's folks out there that really like uh, Jersey Girl. Um, some other interesting news is that the WB Network is actually planning an Aquaman television series. Um, it's going to be produced by the Smallville people. But but what's funny is I guess the, the Aquaman in this show is actually going to be uh, um, a, a, like a, a young guy, like 20 years old, who... <laughs> Who runs a surf shop and lives next to the beach and then gets an Aquaman kind of adventures from there. So be interesting to see what, what what they'll do with that character. Certainly pretty daring to try to make a show out of a character that's not necessarily one of the most beloved of uh, of characters and, and, and well recognized. But, you know, uh, we'll, we'll certainly love to see what they have there. Well, that's about all the time we have for today. Uh, thanks uh, for continuing to listen to our show. Um, really getting a lot more listeners and if you could tell a friend uh, that, that's interested in podcasts to check us out we'd really appreciate it and um, please uh, email me let me know what you think of the show um, call us up 916-231-9480 and um, also let me just take this moment to, to recommend um, a few podcasts for you um, to, to check out um, you can find them on iTunes rather easily but Martin Sargent's Infected hilarious podcast the Ricky Gervais show incredibly funny probably the funniest podcast um, you'll ever hear and I, I, I'm not exaggerating I laugh out loud several times hearing that show the Drink Till We're Funny podcast with Justin, John and Dina funny, funny, funny stuff so uh, and and again I, I, I recommend a couple of mainstream podcasts for you um, Ebert and Roper's Movie Reviews is, a, is an excellent podcast. It uses the form very well. You get to hear quick and uh, good movie reviews from those two. And NBC's Meet the Press, another, uh, you know, it's a, it's a good TV show that translates perfectly to an audio-only podcast. Um, I also recommend um, What Does This Dildo Taste Like Weekly? It's a kind of a weird uh, podcast where they pretty much just taste dildos all day, but it's, uh, you know, it's got its appeal. So uh, I'm going to leave you today with a, a song clip from a, a good underrated album that, that I totally recommend you check out. Um, Dolly Parton's The Grass is Blue. Um, you know, she did a lot of pop stuff and kind of got away from her roots in the 80s and 90s. But as uh, 2000 rolled around, she came out with this uh, really cool CD where she got back to her bluegrass roots. And, you know, you got to admit... Dolly's one of the best singer-songwriter-performers of all time. And um, this stuff here just shows you she's still got it. She's released a couple albums since then. Um, she did one just recently that I didn't like so much that was kind of uh, feel-good songs from the 60s and 70s, uh, like Those Were the Days and, and stuff like that. But uh, um, this song is really fun. It's called I'm Gonna Sleep With One Eye Open. I'm gonna just play a little bit of that. And you can uh, find it on Amazon or iTunes or whatever. But... Uh, the Grass is Blue is the name of the CD, and every single song on there is just great, good uh, bluegrass music to be listening to. So have a great day, and we'll check you out again in a couple.
Stepping so 